Can I just hear the church give God some praise today for who he is? No, I say give God some praise today for who he is, for who he really is, the savior of the world, our creator, our king, our God, who never fails us. Over and over again, he's faithful. Good afternoon, church. Welcome to New Movement. I am Pastor Terrence Taylor. I get the privilege of pastoring this church along with my family. And uh, we are so excited for all of you who are here for the first time today. Can we just give those a huge welcome and a huge hurrah and a huge hand for those who are here today? We're really glad you came. We know that the weather has not been ideal and the roads are slick. Uh, but you made it here, and some of you have made it here from long distances, and some of you are visiting from different places. Uh, but as we were preparing and praying for this week, uh, we were excited because we knew that God wanted to do something incredible. Now, no, what we had planned for this week, last week, was today was scheduled to be our vision day. That's the day uh, where I would lay out the vision that God has given us for the year and tell you the theme that we're going to be preaching on and sharing on. But we looked at the weather and we were concerned and there were some things that we just didn't want to take for granted. And so we made the decision to move that particular day, that presentation to, uh, to February. So we're going to move our vision day to next month. And today, what we had planned along with our vision day was today was our team sign-up day. Let me hear a big hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Yeah, yeah. So today is the day that uh, we are asking if you want to serve on a team. And I want to make sure I'm clear about that, that when you sign up for a team, you are signing up at six months at a time. Amen. So you can still get out uh, if you don't want to be on the team you're on or life changes for you. So these signups are from from today until June. And so we have shortened that time of commitment so that you can keep that short. And we are only asking that you would serve at minimum one time a month, two times is average, three times is above average, and every week is a 4.0, but we're not grading you. But so really, if you think about it, if you sign up for a team today, you could literally serve one, six times between now and June. And we just believe that serving on a team is a part of your Christian journey. In fact, when Jesus gives his commission, great commission in, in uh, Matthew chapter 28, he says, go, therefore, right? Teach all nations. And really the application of the spirit and the gifts that are given to the disciples are not given before they leave. Did you know that? It's given to them as they go. It gives, it gives it to them as they are moving. And there are some gifts that you won't get until you serve. There won't experiences that you just won't have until you get out and you participate and you do life with people. And so today is still a day that you can sign up for a team. It's very simple. If you have a phone with you, all you have to do is two things. If you already have our app, you can go right on the app, you can open it up, and you'll see a, a, a picture that says small groups. All you have to do is tap that thing and fill it out. If you don't have our app, all you have to do is go to newmovement.church. Newmovement.church. It's right on the front page. There is a button. You click that button and you fill it out. And sometimes what you can do is while you're feeling it, while you're feeling inspired, just fill it out. If you change your mind, it's okay. You can change your mind. But sometimes uh, we have to get ahead of the devil. Amen. We got to get ahead of the devil. We can't wait on the devil to plan what we got to do. What I mean by that is life is going to get in the way. Things are going to happen. Problems are going to come. That's not going to change. But when you decide to make up your mind to do something for God, I'm just telling you, finding the strength to do, choose what you want to do for God and move everything out the way is something that is just a wonderful experience and it grows you in God. So today, sign up. And then what we're having today after service, and I believe if I look around, everybody, everybody might be able to be invited today. So today, each of the teams 
There are five teams that we have in our church, and each one of those teams has prepared a meal. They have prepared a meal for you. And some of you look hungry. And they've prepared a lot of food. And today, right after service, you get to join them for a meal. So whatever team you are interested in. So worship team has a meal. Um, I know the admin team has a meal. And I know guest services has a meal. I don't think um, that NextGen has a meal today. I know marketing and comm has a meal. So four out of five meals are prepared to you for you today. And when we do our vision day again we're going to have another day uh, with our teams for food to celebrate but today I would just hang out meet some people you might be surprised and let your leaders tell you a little bit about what the teams do because next week how many of you remember what next week is next week is a huge week your membership is in jeopardy next week I'm going to put you out if you don't show up I'm dead serious I'm going to transfer you to somebody, to the worst church in town. (laughs) I don't know what church that is. Next week is really our anniversary celebration. Can we give God a praise for that? Today is one year when we launch New Movement, today. And next week we are going to celebrate and what we usually call our winter launch. And so what that means is we want, how, how many people did I say last week? You remember that? 150 people in the room. Every chair that we have is going to be out, and I want every chair with a behind in that chair, including your own. Amen? We can start with just bringing you. Just bring, just invite yourself. Say, self, what you doing next week? I don't know. You want to come with me to the church? Cool, I'll be there. Be that crazy. I don't care what you have to do. Put it in your phone. Bring yourself next week, and I want you to bring someone with you. If they're sick, we'll give them some medicine. If they're on an IV, we'll plug it in the back. They got an oxygen tank. We got plenty of outlets because we're going to celebrate. It is a party. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to celebrate with one of my best friends in the world, the pastor of the church that launched this church. Pastor Ron Sidney is going to come here and preach the paint off the walls. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, he's going to preach. And I gave him some time, too. I said, you ain't got to preach 30 minutes, Pastor Ron. You preach. You preach till something happens up in here. And I'm excited uh, for to bring him. And uh, he's coming. And he can't wait to be with us. So next week, we're going to celebrate, right? We're going to have those hot dogs out front. You know how we get down. These are We got the big Franks. We ain't going to let you down for you vegans and, and vegetarians. That just includes myself. But we're going to have some real beef hot dogs up in here. Y'all didn't seem too excited about that. We're going to have some, and we got some people on the grill. So I'm excited. And we need people in place. We want everyone to feel welcome and at home and all those things. So please, next week, I'm sure you'll hear about it in, your, uh, in, the, in the team dinners. And they'll invite you to come. On days like this, we come at 10 o'clock. So on days like special days, normally we come at 11. Everybody comes at 10 next week. We'll take care of you. And we are looking forward to a wonderful week. What I want to do is I want to pray a special prayer right now for just next week. Just next week. Because for some people, this will be the first time they have been come to this church. And I'm telling you, there were people last year that came for the first time to this church. And they're still in the building right now. I'm looking at people that never came came last year and they're still here so we celebrate that and it's not about the numbers it's just that we're saying we want as many people as possible all of God's children to come home because the fatted calf is killed the robe is pressed it's ironed and we are ready to celebrate with the father for the coming home party that's what it is next week and so I want to pray a special prayer maybe there's somebody in your life somebody you have in your mind that you're thinking about inviting Next week would be a good week. I've got about 10 people that I want to bring next week, and I'm, in, I'm just praying for them to have a wonderful time. You can trust the preacher. Trust me, I trust him, and he's going to be great. He's not going to say something crazy or off the wall. He knows the heartbeat of this church. He knows what we're about, and he's been journeying with me over the last years that I've been serving in this city. And so I want us to do a special prayer, maybe for someone 
people you're praying for to invite next week. And we're not going to do a big social media blast. We're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it by each one of us bringing someone. Amen? That's what we want. So let's say a prayer uh, and, and just seal that today. Father, matter of fact, before I pray, if you're sitting next to an empty seat, would you put your hand on that seat? Put your hand on that empty seat. Father, we're praying that next week every seat in this house would be full. We pray that every volunteer that will come and be a part of next week will be ready to serve. Father, we're excited and we thank you for our birthday, our anniversary. Lord, for the movement that you launched through each one of us. And we're so grateful to be a part of it. And I pray that next week will be the most wonderful, life-changing moment in the history of the world. That a movement that you birthed, that you brought to, to pass, would come and would continue to have maximum impact in the city. So we pray for every person that will come, some for the first time, some for the first time to church in their life, some coming back to God. We just pray for that. And Lord, we're going to celebrate because it represents every person that you love and every person that you trust us with. So we thank you in advance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I am going to preach a message today that um, I prepared, and um, I'm going to need your prayers today. But we're going to find it in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and I want to conclude today's message with the second, first, sec, third song that we sang, and that's going to be the way we conclude today. We're going to sing Come Thou Fount one more time because what the writer put in that song, in the second verse of that song, is where we're going to preach from today. It's found in First Samuel chapter 7 and verses 1 through 13. So we're picking it up here. Uh, for those who are new to the Bible, uh, Samuel was a prophet. And before God's people, when they had been uh, in bondage, God brought his people out of bondage and slavery. They had been there for about 500 years. They had really forgotten about God. And God was promising to deliver them and bring them into a land of promise, the land of Canaan. And they were getting settled there. And over time, their leadership just consisted of what was called judges. And they were just judges. They were just people who kind of led. They weren't kings. They weren't rulers of any kind. They were judges. And uh, in those days, they had what was called the Ark of the Covenant. And it was like this uh, desk in this chest that contained special things like the, the um, Ten Commandments and other things that the Lord really represented his presence through it. It wasn't like an idol but it was like a precious holy thing that God was teaching them on how to serve him by giving them some ideas and laying out some ways that they could serve him through a structure of the sanctuary. And the sanctuary was how they would purify themselves. It was how they got their forgiveness to God because Jesus had not come into the earth yet. And so there was still this disconnection from God and the people in a tangible way. God was too holy to really truly be among them. So he had prophets that he would raise up that would communicate to the people on behalf of God. And where we find this is right before, uh, right before a king. Really, actually, I take that back. Um, the people had asked for a king. They were asking for a king. They wanted to be like everybody around them. And right, this is right before those days, before any of the kings of Israel became leaders. And Samuel, the prophet, was kind of the leader in this interim period. So we're picking up where the Ark of the Covenant, this precious holy thing, had been taken, had been captured by another enemy nation because they came into a place where they, there were other nations there. So we pick it up here. So the men of kirith Jerem came to get the Ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadad, the ordained uh, and ordained Eliezer and his son to be in charge of it. The ark remained in kirith Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During the time of Israel mourned because it seemed like the Lord had abandoned them. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, if you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, Get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Asherah. 
determined to only obey the Lord, to obey only the Lord, then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal, Asherah, and worshipped only God, the Lord. Then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Mizpath. I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpath and in a great ceremony drew well water, water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was Mizpath that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel's army had gathered at Mizpath, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were, come, were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord, your God, to save our God, to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel. And the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such a confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to place below Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah. Jeshanah. Just Hannah, that works. He named it Ebenezer. Somebody say Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the, Lord power, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. Here's where we're preaching from, verse 12. Then Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpath and Jeshanah and named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. A title to consider today would be, where is your stone? It's a question, where is your stone? Where's your stone? On Monday, we celebrate and we commemorate and honor the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights hero, the one who is responsible or has known to be the later leader of the civil rights movement, the Baptist preacher, the scholar, the intellectual giant, the affectionate one called Threads because of his style, the one who led this nation from all different places to demonstrate a movement to bring civil rights to black people and to all people for all time. And sometimes on Martin Luther King Day, uh, when it comes around, some people will, uh, in my opinion, be very trivial about it, and they will post a picture or post a quote of Martin Luther King to say something that he said. Whatever quick picture of Martin Luther King they can find, they'll put it on their Instagram and they will say some quote and then Martin Luther King Day is over. Even the acronym has come of MLK to shorten, to just simply explain who he is and what that day represents. But we all know that Martin Luther King Day does not commemorate or capture the life, the legacy, and the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This statue stands in the Washington Monument. It's a monument that represents his life, and on those stones are quotes and captures from his life and the highlights of his, his life. But a highlight reel and a picture and even this stone does not truly capture the life and the work and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because even today what he fought for, the movement that the people died for, 
the work and the quotes and the rebuke that was sent and the cry from the people who were disenfranchised and marginalized, who stood for justice, even as he represents those things, his face facing the White House, facing Washington, D.C., almost 50 years from now. This statue and this faith does not bring the rebuke and the reminder that it should to our friends serving in Washington. I wish somebody would help me preach a little bit today. I wonder what Dr. King would say as he peers with that face looking to the eternal vision that he had of a dream that it still is a dream not materialized into substance as our Washington leaders are distracted and are finding themselves scrambling to keep profitable and keep themselves in the public eye. Yes, Dr. King has a rebuke. He has something to say about what is happening now because of what he had to say then. And this stone represents his image, but it may not bring to mind his movement. It may show who he is. It may have quotes about his life, but if his image does not bring in you a passion or a reminder of what he stood for, then it's of no use. Because an Ebenezer is a stone that is set in place to remind you of the victory that God has given. There is a stone in place to remind you of what God has done done for you. And let me just put this out to my church even now that if I want to invite you to something, by the way, parenthetically, that if you want to do more than just post an uh, image of Martin Luther King, I want to make sure that you attend this annual event. This event has been happening for a long time. It is the annual Martin Luther King Jr. ringing bell ceremony. It begins at 11. You might want to get there a little bit early. I would invite you to come take some time from your day and attend this event. It is a beautiful event. It has, it's something that the Tri-Cities done, does every year. And even there is a statue of Dr. King in front at, at CBC. And I would invite you to do that. As I mentioned about Dr. King, we tend to romanticize um, when, we, when we speak of his life and we speak of the movement. We tend to romanticize the civil rights movement. We tend to bound it up in quotes and in speeches, and we remember in a romantic way what Dr. King did. But the reality is that as we know Dr. King was assassinated, that Dr. King was dying before he was assassinated. Dr. King was in a place where many of the people who claimed to support him had abandoned him. In fact, it was Dr. King who was speaking to the movement, the workers' rights movement, that really caused trouble for Dr. King. He had spoke out about Vietnam, and he had spoke out about workers' rights, and many of the, listen to me, many of the black leaders had left him. Many of those who had walked with King had left him because they did not agree with his movement. And we all, maybe we've all seen the image of his last speech and that he was so mentally and physically exhausted and he literally collapsed in the pulpit. They had to hold him up. Uh, this writer that uh, categorizes Dr. Phillips, uh, his leadership, the leadership of Dr. King writes in this uh, book that he uh, wrote, about his leadership and about the courage that he had. He writes that for more than a decade, Martin uh, had suffered from insomnia. He worried that he had not earned the accolades that had been thrust upon him. And he, as he tired, his sensitive nature began to be feel hurt by the severe criticism. We're talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. The sen that sensitivity had periodically developed into full-scale depression. 
by the time 1967 rolled around and his efforts yielded little to no results, Martin's mood tended to fluctuate. Dr. King, in the last years of his life, felt that his efforts weren't going anywhere. He actually felt the stress and the pain of not being accepted. The criticism was getting to him, the insomnia. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't think because he wasn't sure if what he was doing was enough. Because he was not just trying to be a public leader. In fact, it wasn't even his choice. It were those who thrust him into that place. And he wasn't just trying to be famous or get a Nobel Peace Prize or do things like that. It really was. He was trying to be obedient to God and he didn't think he was doing a good job. And so this statue and Martin Luther King Day and all the things that we celebrate when we celebrate the civil rights movement, when we celebrate his life, ought to truly capture the passion, the terror, the denigration, the hurt, the pain of what was accomplished, but what was still yet to come. And in our text today, what I want to show you and what I want to remind you and ask you is where is your stone? What is reminding you of the struggle that you've been through in your life? Where is the stone that will remind you and not give you a romantic story of how you made it over? Not this romantic story that somehow your life is put together when truly just a few years ago it was falling apart. That your credit score and your house and your education does not truly reflect the midnights that you cried. The days that you struggled. Can I talk to some married people now? Sometimes married people just get to the point where they know they can't get nobody else. Okay. (laughs) They just realize this is it. I, I... I might as well stay because I can't get nobody else. Losing sight of the miracle. Losing sight of the beginning. Losing sight of the story. And here in the story, we find an Ebenezer. We find that Samuel is intentional about finding a place and naming it where God had delivered them so that the people could remember. Because forgetting what happened, it deletes the story of God's grace. I'm talking about forgetting what happened to you, both the good and the bad. When you forget, it erases the story. It just cleans it up. It just washes it to make it look like this. But the reality, it wasn't like this. And Dr. King would have never imagined that we would hold him up in this way. I can't wait to get to heaven and have a conversation with him and see the surprise on his face when he realizes what happened after he died, that the death he paid really was a price that was laid down. Because when we forget, we erase the God, the blessing and the grace of, of God. We I'm trying to encourage somebody today to not forget where you were and remember where God has brought you cuz you weren't all as pretty pretty and cute and dignified as you are today. Some of y'all were messed up, toe up from the flow up, myself included, and there's got to be a stone that you go back to because when you see that stone, it helps you remind yourself to serve. When you see that stone, it reminds you that there's somebody else that's been where I've been. And there's someone heading into the same storm that I've survived. When you remember the stone, it tells you that I can make it through. And so what's interesting is that Samuel leads the people through this process. They know they're messed up. They know they're vulnerable. They know they're stuck. And Samuel says, we're not going to ask God to bless us until we do two things. 
We confess and we repent. These are good old-fashioned biblical preaching words. Confess and repent. Confess means that you acknowledge and admit to the truth. I wish somebody helped me preach here. Confession says my truth is not the truth in this situation. Confession is an informed position that says I'm informed not only on my side of the story, but the side of the story that I have caused pain to. Confession says I did something wrong. I confess that I did it and I want to know the fullness of it so I won't do it again. And repentance is simply a change of direction. Repentance says I'm going to stop and I'm going to turn and I'm going to go the other direction. Samuel says we're not talking to God until we start here. We're not going to celebrate Martin Luther King Day until we have some confession and some repentance. It doesn't matter what he said if we don't do what he asked. I wish somebody had helped me preach today. That the, I think this nation needs some confession and some repentance. I think we need some laws that need some confession and some repentance. There are some police departments that need some confession and some repentance. There's some universities that need some confession and some repentance. There's some hospital systems that need confession and repentance. There's some banks that need some confession and repentance. There's some denominations that need confession and repentance. And I don't want to hear you calling out to God until we start with confession and repentance he says we're not going anywhere until we talk to God about this and the Bible says that they begin to cry out for the Lord look what he says in verse 1 in verse 3 he says if you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord you know I've been pastoring long enough that I've noticed I can tell I can sometimes tell let me not make it this is my opinion sometimes I can tell the difference when somebody's serious. I can. And a lot of times when someone's serious, their situation is so jacked up. And I've seen God do so many miraculous things. And I've seen some people in churches stuck literally 10 years on the same issue, same testimony, same problem, same nothing. Can't move because they can't get over that step. Samuel's like, wait a minute. Are you serious? Because I'm not doing this. Unless you're serious. If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, this is what he says. Get rid of the foreign gods and the images of Asher. He says, that's the problem. You got some gods up in your house. You got some Ouija boards. You got some game systems. You got some stuff up in there that is is representing the image of a God that you're serving along God. And God says, I'm a jealous God. I can't do that. In other words, he's saying, Don't come to church with your side chick. Leave your side chick at home. In fact, delete her account. I don't want I don't want you back in the house until you leave the side chick. God's like, I ain't doing that. You might be messed up, but I ain't doing that. You get rid of that. And they had to get rid of it. And they chose to get rid of it. And they go through this process. They start repenting. They start changing. They start doing all these things to get rid of it. And then Samuel says, okay, I'm going to call out to the Lord. And then they start calling out to the Lord and they start confessing and they start saying they're sorry. And they start saying they're going to change and they're crying out to the Lord. And then something happens that they weren't expecting. Something happens. They weren't expecting. They start confessing, they start crying, they start fasting, they do all that. And then verse 7 comes along. Verse 7 says, when the Philistine rulers heard that Israelites, the Israelites had gathered there, they mobilized their army and they advanced. Uh, Can I be honest to you? Sometimes when we confess and when we repent, things get worse. It's called resistance. Sometimes when you push for rights, it gets worse. Sometimes when you elect one president, it gets worse. Sometimes when you confess, 
and repent, it gets worse. They mobilized their army. They're crying, they're weeping, they're confessing, and they're still coming. Because the confession and the repentance doesn't change the enemy's mind. They're still coming. And God says, I'm going to show up. And so they start, they start going. They said, verse 11 or verse 7, they mobilized their army. And they say, look what the people say. Don't stop pleading. Don't stop pleading. Keep praying, Samuel. Keep begging God. Keep talking to him. So he kept on sacrificing. They kept on praising. They kept on having church. They kept on going to small groups. They kept on going on a small group, or uh, serving on a team. They kept going to church. They kept serving. They kept doing it. I know the enemy's coming, but I'm going to do it. I know I got bad news, but I'm still going to serve. I know things are rough, but I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to go. Keep preaching, pastor. Keep talking, pastor. We're going to keep on serving. We don't care if the enemy's coming. And they said, beg for our life. And as Samuel was sacrificing, the Philistines showed up. Did that ever happen to you? Ever had some Philistines show up when you start praying? Ever had some mess happen in your life when you start surrendering to God? Ever had some bad things show up when you start, people start acting a fool, giving you an attitude, acting crazy. As soon as you get home from church, they showed up. They showed up. They showed up. Look what happened. I'm going to wrap it up right here. Look what happened. The men, so, but here's what happened. They're sacrificing, but the Lord. So you could just preach that right there. See, God has a funny way of showing up. I think God likes to make a dramatic entrance. I think God likes everybody to know that this is God showing up. I don't think he has any way of hiding. and I think he just shows up on the scene with a gangster lean. There's, there's no choice. God says, but the Lord, look what he did. He spoke a, with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. Okay, notice what God did. God spoke from heaven. He spoke from a place that they weren't expecting him to speak from. And he spoke in a way that it sounded like thunder in their ears. He spoke to them, and look what happened. He confused the enemy. But they still had to fight him. They were confused. Don't you know that the devil is confused when you come to new movement? He don't understand why you keep coming. He thought he had you on Monday. He thought he had you pinned down on Wednesday. He thought he had you messed up on Friday. But he went one, two, three, and you kept popping out. Every time you show up, you keep popping out. Every time you come, you keep shaking out of it. And he's confused. Why do you have joy? Why do you have strength? Why do you have faith? Why do you keep showing up? Confused. They're looking around, looking stupid, stuck on stupid. And then the Israelites' army just soup, 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 soup. And they defeat them. Look what it says. He, they defeated them. The men chased them from Mizpath to the place of Beth Car, slaughtering them along the way. Don't you know that when God begins to speak with a thundering voice in your experience that you start chasing the enemy? I declare you come home and start chasing the devil out of your house. Start chasing him out of your finances. Start chasing him out of your marriage. Stop chasing him out of your parenting. Start chasing him out of your weekly routine. Say devil I'll slay you I'll follow you into Thursday until you are wiped out and along the way there's a path of dead bodies along the way there's a path of negative comments along the way there's a path of laws that have been changed there's a path of rights for black people and women and lesbian and gay people there are rights that are for everyone along the way things get changed So our children look back and say, you mean to tell me you couldn't drink at the water fountain? You mean to tell me you couldn't get a fair loan? 
You mean to tell me you couldn't get adequate health care and you can look along the way and see dead bodies that the kingdom of God and Jesus through a movement can change and can that they're running for their lives. I need to finish this sermon. Here's what it says. Samuel took a large stone. Not a little stone. Because little praise finds a little stone. Little faith gets a little stone. Little pain gets a little stone. You might get a... Praise the Lord. God's good. I got lucky. Just worked out in my favor. Cards just kind of fell in place. Things worked out for me today. Samuel said, no, get a big stone. Get a stone so big that you're going to see it every time you walk by. Get a big stone. I want you to carry that thing. I want it to be a struggle. Because sometimes when you've got big problems, you find out there's a bigger God. Sometimes when you find out you've got big issues, you find out that there's a bigger God than their issues. And people with big problems, give them a big praise. Can I talk to anybody in the room? People with big issues understand how to give God a big praise. Because it's a big deal. He says, get a big stone. He says, put it in the path between this path. Every time they walk this way, I want them to remind themselves. And he names it Ebenezer. It's the stone of help. Because up to this point, God has helped us. And here's what Samuel said. Samuel realized this stone can't just stand forever. It's got to stand for up to this point because there's going to be a new battle. There's going to be a new season and I'm going to need a new stone. We celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. We celebrate those who died and worked in the civil rights movement. But that's a stone. And when we see it, it ought to bring something into us. It ought to create a passion. But this work is not over. And the world still needs a movement. And the world still needs leaders. And the world still needs people people with a voice to say we are going to face the new challenges of this generation and nobody's getting off the hook the movement hasn't started it just just got started we're going to keep going until a new stone will be placed along the way for the next generation so our this generation won't have to worry about inequality the next generation won't have to worry about health disparities and education disparities they're going to get what we die for So where's your stone? I want you to show me your stone. It's not if God's done anything for you. It's what has God done for you. And some of you might be stuck because you don't want to confess and you don't want to change. You want God to work around your situation. You want God to work around your preferences. You want God to work around your personality. You want God to somehow understand your heart. But the Lord understands my heart doesn't do anything. It leaves you stuck. Because if the Lord's understanding your heart, he's got a list of things to talk to you about. Because the heart is deceitfully and desperately wicked. And the Bible says you can't know it. So the best thing to do is to give your heart fully to God and let him work with you. Where is your stone? People in recovery know the date they were sober. People who have been through health crisis know the date they got sent out of the hospital. And sometimes it's not that tangible. Sometimes it's just something along the way. But I want you to find a stone. I want you to go somewhere and say, from this point, God has led me and given me victory. I'm not the same as I used to be. I don't look like what I've been through. God's given me victory over stuff in my past. So where's your stone? I want to see that stone. Last night, my stone was the gas station at Albertsons. Had to stop to get something on the way home. Was coming late from the church. Had to stop to get something from on the way home. And there was this woman in this truck, and she was blocking the middle of the lane in the parking lot. She was stuck there. 
my first thought was I thought it was like a you know a, a couple in a fight and she was trying to box her man in I didn't know what was going on because his car was literally in a tight spot and it found a way to drive around just to get out because she was blocking that person and walked up to the car and I noticed the woman about in her 60s black woman and a cute little black girl about the age of seven sitting in the car and I saw her on the phone and I could see the anguish in her face and I said is everything alright and then another gentleman had come stepped out and he said yeah I'm sorry my, my son's on her way I just ran out of gas and I said well what are you going to do she's like, I'm, he's going to bring me a gas can and we'll, we'll try to figure out and the gentleman that was next to me he walked away and I said well let me just go in the store see if they got a gas can Say no, no, don't do that. It's okay. My son's on the way. I said, it's too late. I'm going to walk in the store and see if they got a gas can. I'll come right back. And the man that, was talk- that I was talking to that stood next to me, he pulled up in his truck. And he was like, he was talking to her. And I stopped. I turned around. And he said, you, if you help me push it, we can push it to the gas station. I said, no problem. So we walk over to the car. He gets out. He parks his truck. I get out. Another guy gets out. And we push this heavy truck with two people in it to the gas station as I'm pushing it I'm talking to the man the man says what you do tonight I said oh we was at the church we're trying to do some things and he's like what church is it and I told him what church it is we're pushing we get there we pull up we push it up to the car and before I could get my wallet out the man already has his wallet out put into the gas into the, uh, the thing and he swipes it and he's filling up her tank now before she can even get out the car she gets out and she tries to say Wait, wait, what are you doing? He says, I'm, fill- I'm putting gas in it. And she's like, well, just stop it at $10. He said, no, I'm going to fill it up. Tears start coming down her face. She starts crying uncontrollably. And she says, she can't talk. And we say, it's okay. She's like, I- I've never filled it up before. She's got a truck full of groceries. I was only going to put $10 in here. And she's crying, and she's crying uncontrollably. And I'm talking to the man, and he asked me where my church is. And we're talking about his business. We're exchanging information. And then he leaves. He fills it up. We give her a hug. I said, let me go inside and write my number down on the paper in case you get stuck a little bit later. I go back inside. I write my name down. I come back to the window. She's crying uncontrollably see the little girl with the tear running down her eye I walk over she says he came back he gave me a hundred dollars she's holding this hundred dollar bill he gave me a hundred dollars she told me to fill it up and she was crying uncontrollably I was trying to say bye I was trying to talk to her she just kept crying she says this is a sign I need to come back to church and I, I just said a little prayer in my mind for them and I walked away And I said, this is an Ebenezer. Because I've been out of gas before. And I've had the Lord give me stuff when I didn't know. I've had people give me a jump. I've had people fix my car. I've had people bail me out of jail. I've had problems. And somebody showed up. And I was there. And I couldn't even participate in the miracle. Because God had already sent somebody to bless her. And how dare I think that I'm the solution. I'm just a part of what God is doing. And when I drive by that gas station, I'm going to remember that woman who cried over $100. I haven't had to cry over $100. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a day I would have cried about it, but I didn't have to cry about it. I had to find my stone. Had to find them days when I didn't have no money. Had to think about those days when it was a privilege just to be in school, just to have a job, just to have a place to lay my head. So I want to pray today that you would find that stone, that you might stop and confess and repent and say, God, I haven't given praise. I haven't really thanked you for how good you've been to me. And when you journey with other people, you find out that your problems aren't the only problems in the world. That your issue 
isn't the only issue in the world. And somebody else needs you. That's why we ask you to serve on a team. It's not just for your deliverance. It's for somebody else that needs you. So my prayer today, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if I'd ask you to do that, just for a few seconds, I want you to think about it. I want you to remember those days you were busted. Remember those days you were crying, you were hurting, and you didn't think there was going to be a solution. You didn't think you were going to make it to the next day, and here you are. Here you are walking through it with your head held high, strong in the faith. God wants to keep moving you. God wants to keep giving you victory. He says we got to be honest about this thing. We got to have some conversation so that you remember that I'm there. I've always been there for you, and I'll still be there for you if you're willing to walk forward, if you're willing to move everything out of your life just for me. And so, Father, I want to pray today. I want to pray right now for a spirit of repentance and confession. A prayer that says, God, I am sorry for not giving you the praise. I'm sorry for not acknowledging you. I'm sorry for making something trivial out of what was monumental. I'm sorry for underestimating and not appreciating those who have labored for me and who have given me help when I needed it. Father, I'm going to commit today. I'm going to commit today to be the person that you desire to send to help somebody else. And as I'm praying this, I just want to ask while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Is anybody praying this prayer with me? Just let me see your hands so I know who I'm praying for. God bless you. Father, as our hands are lifted up, we pray for a renewedness of strength, a renewedness of faith. Lord, we confess today, Lord, that we have been wrong and we change our hearts and we remove those things out of our life that don't need to be there so that you might be lifted up and glorified. And we do this in the name of Jesus and for his sake. And let the church say amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. I know time has gone over, but this is what we want to do. Before we, t- what we're going to do is, uh, as Fernanda comes, she's going to call for the offering. And when we're doing the offering, we are going to re-sing that song, Come Now Fount of Blessing. And so after you've given your offering and, and returned that to God, so we're going to sing that song, and then we're going to be dismissed just a few more minutes. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to her, and then we're going to sing Come Now 